Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are also doing well and you are blessed. Praise God. Today, we are continuing on in our subject. And in fact, this is our last lesson. We are talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And um, we are in the final segment. We are talking about the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, we talked about the gifts of healing and the gift of working on miracles. And today I'm going to talk about the gift of faith. Now, the gift of working on miracles is, 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 is an active gift. It speaks forth and it releases miracles. And I gave you some examples of that. And, uh, and the gift of working, uh, the, sorry, the gift of faith is similar, but it's a passive gift. Whereas the gift of working on miracles releases and speaks out the power of God, speaks out miracles. The gift of faith receives miracles from God. What it is, is actually, it's a kind of faith. It's receiving a special faith. When you stand in faith for something and it's like stretching a rubber band and you stretch the rubber band to as far as it'll go. And so you stretch your faith out and it's not enough. And then God, boom, he comes down and he adds something to it to make the miracle take place. So that is the gift of faith. It's special faith that is imparted to us uh, on top of our faith, you know, and, and it makes the miracle happen when our faith isn't enough. And it's the faith of God given to us for a certain, certain purpose that God has. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of that. The first example is from Poznan in Poland, and I was uh, I was preaching there in a Catholic church. And um, one night, I mean, the place was packed out. And uh, when I gave the altar call for salvation, then I gave the altar call for healing. And I said, "Okay, everybody wants prayer, just come and make your line." And almost everybody, almost the whole church, came to the front, and the line began to go all the way around the building. I mean, they went to the side and just around the back wall. You know, it's they, they were all over the place. So I thought uh, with all these people, the best way I could do is to do what I call an assembly line prayer that I, I'll have the crowd go past me one by one and I'll just pray for them. So I was doing this and then came a lady on a wheelchair. Now she was totally paralyzed and uh, she had no sensation in her legs for 11 years and years and she didn't even own a pair of shoes. So she was in front of me and uh, uh, I asked her, I said, so what can I do for you? Because you've got to understand, many, many people in Catholic churches, they, you know, they, they won't ask you for healing because they are not taught on healing. Well, they hear that God can heal the sick, but they can, and they can even ask you for some things like, well, God wants me to be sick and he's using the sickness to bless me. So can you pray for me and just bless me so I can bear this? I have people ask me for prayers for, for things like that. But uh, <clears throat> this woman, she said, well, um, I don't know. I said, so what do you want? She said, well, I don't know. I said, do you want to be healed? She said, yeah, I guess so. I said, okay, uh, do you have faith to be healed? She says, well, I don't know. I said, really, you don't have faith to be healed? She said, yeah, I do. Yeah, maybe I have faith to be healed. I said, okay, so if you have faith to be healed, you know, I'm trying to get something out of her. Uh, do you have faith that God will heal you instantly? Or do you have faith that God will heal you progressively over a period of time because God does both? She said, well, I have faith for both. So when she said that, I knew she didn't have any faith. So 
Anyway, so what I did, I, I kind of stood in front of her. I laid hands on her and, uh, you know, it was like nothing was happening. But then I looked at her. I thought I'd just let her go. But I looked at her and immediately I sensed that there was something there. There was something I cannot define, but there was something about that woman. And the Lord just told me, just invest time in her and pray for her. I said, okay. So I prayed for her in the name of Jesus. Then I said, uh, lady, just stand up. And, you know, her legs, she had no sensation in her legs. Her legs were dead, but uh, she could, you know, her arms are strong. So she made several attempts, I think three attempts to stand up, but she could not. So I told the pastor, the priest, uh, um, uh, you know, Father, Shumai, uh, Father Thomas Alexievich, he was a priest from another church. He always traveled with me. He and uh, Zygmunt Witkowski, who was my interpreter, he was a professor in the university, an old friend of mine. I said, Brother Zygmunt and uh, Brother, uh, Brother Thomas, could you please pick the lady up? So they picked her up. I said, just hold her up. So they held her and propped her up. And I told one of my guys from Sweden, one of my Bible school students who was with me, I said, listen, take this wheelchair and just put it, hide it in a place where I can't see it. So they took the wheelchair away. And, I, and I, I looked at the woman and I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you now. And then I, I looked over her head. Uh, you know, she was so short. I just kind of looked over her head uh, to see the line that was behind her. But the line was gone. There was nobody there. What I was actually seeing was a vision. The line was there, but I wasn't seeing the line. And instead, what I see is the face of Jesus. And he's standing right behind the woman. And he's as real as a person standing next to me. I'm looking at his face and I see that his eyes are just like pools of love. And, uh, and then he smiles and he looks at me. And, uh, and then I hear a voice that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And then this thing came to me. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's here in this place, it is impossible for this woman not to be healed. And there was this incredible faith that came and gripped me and totally possessed me. I was possessed by this, this, this spirit of faith. And I opened my mouth and suddenly scripture after scripture began to pour out of my mouth. I remember I started with Psalm uh, 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals your diseases. Then it was Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he has borne your diseases and carried your pains. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of of your peace was upon him and with his stripes you are healed. And I was talking to this woman and scripture after scripture after scripture were coming out of my mouth and there were verses I didn't even know. I knew they were in the Bible, but I had not memorized them. And I was quoting scripture after scripture after scripture, no prayer, just speaking the word. And you know, there is power in the word. The Bible says he sent forth his word and he healed them. As I spoke the word, as I spoke the word, as I spoke the word, after I think about half an hour, I saw her legs begin to tremble. Her legs began to tremble. And I told the priest, I said, please let her go. And Zygmunt held her up. And then I said, put your hand on my shoulders. And I said, Zygmunt, let her go. He let her go. And then for the first time in 11 years, she was standing 
on her own feet. And but she had a hand on her soldiers uh, on my shoulders. I said, lady, walk with me. Just look at my eyes. Don't look at the ground. Don't look around. Just keep your eyes on my eyes and walk. And I began to walk backwards. She began to walk forwards. And I was quoting the scripture, speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God. And we did that a long time. She got stronger and stronger and stronger until, until I think about maybe 45 minutes to an hour had passed. And this woman was running and jumping and completely healed. And as soon as she was completely healed, the spirit of faith that was upon me just lifted from me. And when it was lifted, I began to doubt, you know, my mind once again got in the way and I began to think, well, was she really paralyzed? Did this really happen? And you see, that wasn't my faith. That was the faith of Jesus. It's a far greater than faith than I have. And that is the gift of faith. When God gives his faith to you and, 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 and it and it kind of makes up what is lacking and the miracle takes place. And that's what happened. And the woman was completely healed. And then when that spirit of faith was lifted from me, I, I, I suddenly found myself, did this really happen? I began to ask her relatives, was she really paralyzed? Are you sure? You know, and all that. And it happened. So I've had this happen several times to me. And uh, that is the gift of faith. It comes down. It takes a hold of you. And then it accomplishes the purpose that God wants to fulfill. And then, then it lifts. Now, one thing about the gifts of the spirit is that you cannot make it happen yourself. But the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more you learn to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, over time, you will develop a, an understanding and excuse my using the wrong word, but a kind of familiarity and I don't want to say it wrong, but a kind of, I say this with utmost reverence and respect for the Holy Spirit, a kind of familiarity with the Holy Spirit and his ways and especially how he works in you and through you. And so <clears throat> when you pray in the Spirit and, and you are familiar with the ways the Holy Spirit moves, you can sense it. You can sense, sometimes you can sense before a meeting that, okay, this is what the Lord is going to do. Or, or you say, the Lord is going to move in this way tonight. And, and then, and you go there and you can be in a counseling situation. Uh, you win, it can be a hospital visitation or it can be a preaching situation. And then you know that something's going to happen. The Lord begins to give you words of knowledge or gifts of healing or gifts of working or miracles begin to operate. So uh, you can actually develop a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit when the Spirit of God actually shows you what's going to happen and then you flow right into that. So anyway, now another example I can give you was a, uh, was a church. Uh, I was preaching in this church in the town of Piwa in, 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 the, in the center of the northern part of Poland. And, and, uh, and I used to do one service there every year. It was a cathedral type. It was not officially a cathedral, but it was like a cathedral. It was a huge building. You could, uh, I mean, they had packed in thousands of people in it. And um, I had finished preaching and, uh, and the Holy Spirit began to flow there. And suddenly I heard people begin to scream behind the altar table because there were hundreds of people sitting there. The place was packed up. And uh, I turned around and I looked at my team from Sweden who were sitting behind me and they were screaming and weeping and they were pointing to something. And I looked and I saw the top of a little blonde head walking. 
And um, so I walked around the altar table and I saw this little girl, blonde-headed girl, maybe nine or ten years old, walking. But from the way she walked, I knew that this was the first time in her life she had ever walked. Now, this I didn't know, but I found this out later on. This little girl was born paralyzed, brain damaged, and was locked in a fetal position all her life. Her jaw was askew like this. Her eyes were crossed. She hardly saw anything. She couldn't speak. They didn't know if she could hear or not. She was drooling from her mouth and uh, her, she was locked in a fetal position. Her mother or father used to carry her around and when they would wash her, change her, they used to stretch her arms and legs out, put the clothes back on and her arms and legs used to kind of snap back into position and her fingers were like this, her toes were curled. You know, everything about her was totally uh, you know, she was totally handicapped. And what had happened was that the Spirit of God had come in such a powerful way in that meeting that the mother had uh, put the child on the ground. Nobody knew why. She just put the child on the ground. And then all those people, about 300 people behind the altar saw it. They saw her, heard the sounds of her bones cracking. And one by one, her fingers straightened out. My team from Sweden saw this and they said her jaw came straight, her tongue snapped back in, her mouth closed, her, her eyes that were crossed straightened out and her arms and legs began to straighten out and she slowly got up and she began to walk. And when this thing happened in front of those people, I mean, people were going crazy in that place. And uh, so anyway, I, I was told this afterwards by the priest because he knew the family and the priest was a was a born-again spiritual man. He was a holy man. He was a very godly man. So what happened is, is that I, I walked around the altar table and I saw this little girl and I took her hand and she walked with me. She walked around me, around the altar table. Now, when we came to the front, somehow uh, the immensity of what had happened struck me and I was totally, uh, I felt... I'm in the presence of God. I have seen, I've seen the glory of God and I'm going to die. I'm not, I'm not going to live because I read somewhere that nobody can see God and live. And I, you know, I was young. I, I thought I have seen the glory of God and nobody can see so much of the glory of God and live. And I actually believed I was going to die. So I crawled under the altar table and they had this tablecloth all around hanging down to the floor. I was underneath and I began to say, Lord, you can take me home. I prayed for my wife, prayed for my, my two older children. The youngest one hadn't been born as yet. And then the Lord said, I want you to get out and stand before the crowd because you have not seen anything as yet. So I, I came out, I stuck my head out from under the altar. And the first thing I see, I mean, this was amazing. At the spot where I had been standing, I saw parents bring six paralyzed boys. They were all boys and they were all dressed the same. I remember they were wearing white shirts and black trousers or gray trousers. And the parents put these paralyzed boys at the spot where I had been standing on the platform. All six of them, they got up and began to walk. Nobody, nobody had touched them. And the power, the glory of God came on the place. And I stood up and people began to rush to the platform and uh, people went crazy. So uh, the Lord told me, throw your jacket into the crowd because the anointing is on the jacket. So I threw my jacket onto the crowd and I told people that 
pass my jacket around, whoever touches it will be healed. So I saw my jacket go around and people were weeping, you know, they, they, they were holding, hugging that jacket. And anyway, miracles were happening all over the house. And this, this was bigger than me because you see, when, when, that, when I was holding that little girl and I brought her, brought her to the front and, and I remember, and this is on video, I said into the microphone to the whole crowd, I said, I have nothing to do with this. This is not my ministry, but this is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that was when I realized I had been in the presence of God and I thought I was going to die. But anyway, that meeting ended maybe, I don't know, 1, 1.32, whatever it was, it was late. The next year I was back and uh, I was back and uh, I, I did one meeting there every year and the priest told me, he said, Brother Christopher, I want to show you something. He took me to a room at the parsonage and it was full of, there was... Uh, crutches, wheelchairs, I mean back braces, neck braces, it was just full of stuff. He said for after you left, after you left last year, after that service last year, for, for, uh, for uh, 90 days, three months, every day there were people lining up outside my personage with crutches and hearing aids and glasses and artificial legs and, and limbs and back braces, neck braces, wheelchairs, crutches, all kinds of stuff. People were testifying of what God had done for them. And that, then after 90 days, it stopped. Now, that was the gift of faith because God moved in a way that was way beyond my faith. Believe me, believe me, I've been in ministry for 44 years, but I don't have faith for that kind of thing. I know, I know it's in the Bible and, and I wish I had that faith, but I'm, I'm not there as yet. And, but thank God, I have Jesus who has that kind of faith. And when we need it, he brings it in and he makes up uh, and supplies whatever is lacking. And that is the gift of faith. And this is something that we, beloved, we must pursue and seek, seek these wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, anyway, so I want to uh, finish this by reading the following scriptures to you. And I read this earlier on, I know, but this bears repetition. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 31 to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. These are actually, these verses are next to each other. And it begins like this. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove, um, remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. So what he's saying is that uh, we should pursue the gifts. We should. We should pursue the gifts. But <coughs> while we pursue the gift, the greatest thing is that we pursue love. Because without love, we are nothing. Now, sometimes people try to play up love against the gifts. That's not the purpose. What the Bible is saying is that we should covet, covet earnestly the best gifts. Now, uh, this is the only place in the scripture where covetousness is actually encouraged. God tells us not to covet another man's uh, spouse. God tells us not to covet money or the riches of this world. Uh, but this is one thing, the spiritual gifts. God wants us to covet those. 
So we should covet gifts, but then it tells us that even though we have all the gifts, we can move mountains and work miracles. If I don't have love, I have nothing. So we should covet the gifts, but we should also pursue love. Uh, and uh, because, because there's a warning here, Let's, I'll read to you from Matthew 7, 22 to 23. It says, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name has ca have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will, I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And these are people who had the gifts operating in their lives, but they did not have the character of Christ. In Matthew 7, here in, in this same verse, Jesus said, by your by their fruits shall ye know them. It's not the miracle, it's not the results, it's the fruits. And there's a difference between results and fruits. The fruits contain results, but results by themselves are not fruit. Fruit are not the power and the impact and the numbers. Those are results. The size of the crowds and uh, how great the miracles were and how, you know, people, everyone was excited. Those are the results. But the fruit are the character of Christ that people can see in us. That when they see us face to face and they look into our eyes, do they feel the presence of Jesus Christ? That, that is fruit, beloved. And, um, and from that fruit comes result, godly results. But what people should look for is fruit. And that's what I look for. I have seen many, many men of God. Uh, I've seen many men mightily used by God, but I've seen those who have the fruit and those who do, who do not. And I personally choose to stay away from people who don't show the fruit of Jesus Christ or fruit of the life of Christ in their lives. So, you know, so that is why it's very, very important that we, that we, uh, we, we covet the gifts, but we pursue love. And because Satan can replicate the gifts of the Holy Spirit to a certain point, but he can never re replicate the fruits because the gifts show the power of Christ, but the fruit of the Spirit show the character of Christ. And Satan can to a point, he can even do miracles and, and you know, and, and do things like that. I have seen uh, demon-possessed people speak in tongues and it sounds strange, but it, it is a kind of tongues, although it sounds weird. But what I'm saying is that the gifts of the Spirit, Satan can replicate to a certain point, but the fruit of the Spirit, he can never, never replicate because the fruits reflect the heart of who Jesus is. That is why the greatest of all is love. Remember that miracles are great. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is great. These great big crowds are great. People getting saved by the thousands. All these things are great. But the greatest of all is love. Let me read to you 1 John 4, uh, chapter 4, 10 to 12. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he also, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfect in us, is perfected in us. Love is the greatest evidence of the fact that we are his disciples. You know, the Bible says that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that, that ye love one another. Love is the greatest fruit of the character and the life of Christ in us. So pursue 
and covet the gifts, but pursue and covet to walk in love because that is what it means to desire to be like Jesus. Because ultimately, God's goal for our lives is that we be conformed to the image of Christ, to the conform, you know, he says, all those he called, he wants them to be conformed to the image of his son. That is God's desire. And that is why we pursue and covet the gifts, yes, but we pursue and covet to walk in love, to be like Jesus. If we seek the fullness of Christ, we will pursue both the gifts and we will pursue love. We will pursue both the power and the character of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we, you and I, seek the fullness of Christ, we will pursue both the love of Jesus and the power of Jesus. We will pursue both his character and his power. And our greatest desire would be to be like him. Remember this. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and miracles and power are great. But what really activates them is the love of God. The love of God compels us. And maybe, uh, may that be the place where you and I stand, full of the love of God, full of a passion for the lost, compassion for the lost. And, and it is from that standpoint that we pray and we seek the Lord and covet the gifts so that using the gifts, we can serve lost and dying humanity, help the seek, uh, help the sick, help the weak, help the suffering, help those that are lost and bring them to Jesus. May the Lord bless us all. And tomorrow we will continue with our next subject. And it has been great teaching you on uh, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And if you have any questions, anything, just feel free to write to me. I've got a couple of brothers, in fact, a brother from Singapore, a brother from Indonesia, they write to me sometimes asking me questions and it's great to do that. So if you have anything, just write to me. If you have any feedback, please feel, uh, feel free to write to me. And the Lord bless you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are hearing my voice. I trust, Father, that you have touched their lives and you will continue to touch their lives through your word and through your Holy Spirit as they seek your face, as they study your word, as they spend time on their knees before you. Let them be blessed. And Father, I pray for their homes, for their families, and I curse every sickness, disease, and infirmity. I curse every spirit of fear <coughs> and lack and poverty. Father, in the name of Jesus, these things are cursed, and I ask you to bless them. Let there be an abundance of love, an abundance of faith, and an abundance of all things that they need, Father, to live lives here on this earth where they can testify of you, where you can be glorified through their lives. I ask you this, Father, in the name of Jesus, be glorified and exalted. Amen. Well, God bless you, and see you again tomorrow.